Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of FNI Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network, uh, Ireland's film and TV industry podcast. But it's also from every for everybody else as well who likes the films. Um, hope everybody's okay. Um, there's a lot of people going through some very tough times at the moment with uh, anxiety and so on. And if we can do anything, um, or if you need someone to talk to, another filmmaker. Drop us a line uh, on info at wearefni.com and we'll have a little chat with you and if we can do anything else um, and it's within our, um, if it's within our skill set, we'll do our best to try and accommodate you. Um, so I ho- hope everybody's doing all right. A um, couple of other FNI notice board related topics to bring up. Um, as, as per usual, uh, over the last couple of months, we've been supported by Screen Skills Ireland and we're really, really, really appreciative for all they've done with us in terms of our online events. Um, so thank you very much for that. Um, our latest class is coming up in November. Uh, we're joined by Mary Kate O'Flanagan, uh, self-described screenwriting uh, midwife, <laughs> screenwriting coach. Um, uh, her company is called a dramaticimprovement.com. Um, Mary Kate will be working with us for two sessions uh, later this month, towards the end of this month. We're really excited to have her back. Um, she worked with us before. She's uh, one of the best of what uh, of what she does in this country, um, along with her sister uh, Rachel. Um, uh, really excited to welcome her back. We're also we also have uh, Ip Vision, who's worked with us a number of times over the last couple of years. He'll be giving a really uh, interesting uh, two-hour lecture on understanding film language and literacy. Um, Ip is a former, um, he was mentored by uh, Milos Forman in Columbia University. He teaches all over Europe uh, on screenwriting, but also uh, corporate storytelling to blue chip companies and and big organizations and and, and so on. He also did a TED Talk. Um, He's really good at what he does. Um, So that's also coming up later this month. Um, so check out www.wearefni.com forward slash connect. You can still register for a place and it's absolutely free thanks to Screen Skills Ireland. So thanks so much for that. Um, in addition, as if we weren't giving away enough free classes, we have a really, really fantastic um, Q&A session and chat with um, Emma Donoghue. Emma Donoghue is a international best-selling author. Uh, Academy Award nominated screenwriter for adapting her own book Room which is one of the better uh, works of literature and also uh, cinematically um, over the last couple of years uh, which Lenny Abramson um, um, directed to great success so Emma will be joining us and talking about her process with uh, Mia Malarkey uh, talking about the ups and downs of writing her career living in Canada um, and being Irish abroad, um, and how she negoti- negotiates her career, um, especially after the huge success that she's had in recent years. So that's really something to look forward to. That will be on the twenty seventh. Um, if you if you check out our social media channels, you get all the dates and how you can register for those. So you can go to facebook.com forward slash film network Ireland, instagram.com forward slash film network Ireland, and on Twitter, we're at FNI underscore film. Um, FNI Rap Chat is brought to you by Film Equipment Store, 
our friends at Wildcard Distribution and Octavid.com um, for all your video services. So, um, if you'd like to support not only this podcast, but some of our events and what we do, uh, to help us wipe uh, our own eye, as it were, to cover marketing costs and, 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 and things like that in order to reach you, please go to uh, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. Uh, today, we're joined by a brilliant uh, example of uh, ingenuity, grit, determination, um, and somebody of um, F, not only myself, but FNI has been kind of watching in admiration of, over the last couple of years, um, a filmmaker who is not afraid to shy away from big topical social issues and and apply that to her work. Um, she's made some really, really, really uh, important shorts uh, highlighting social injustice um, over the last couple of years, uh, testimony being one of them, betrayal being another. And what's most interesting about uh, Camilla uh, is that she... Um, fundraised 20 grand for her latest short film in a time where we feel as if the well is dry in terms of crowdfunding. So that's another reason why we wanted to have her on, to have a chat about strategy and not take a no for an answer, even when you've been told no. Um, so yeah, so for this week's episode, it's uh, Camilla dinner. I'm Connor Reed with words to that effect. How do the Victorians invent time? Where do all those pirate cliches come from? Should we all read romance novels? Mouth glided up her neck with feather-like. Why are kids so obsessed with dinosaurs? What makes the perfect detective story? Have to go and solve this crime ourselves. What happens to culture and society in a post-apocalyptic world where everything has stopped? Words to that effect tell stories of the fiction that shapes popular culture. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts and at wttepodcast.com. joined by a writer, director, actor, I can say actor, can't I? Uh, uh, <laughs> God, it's so many things, I can't squeeze them all in. Uh, we're joined by a award, uh, award winning, am I right in saying so? Uh, there have been some bits. awards, Yeah, yes. okay, that's good. <laughs> I hate saying that if they have, people haven't, but they've just been nominated. But anyway, you've... Uh, You've garnered quite a lot of attention over the last uh, couple of years with some really interesting shorts um, and caught certainly my attention and a lot of people on FNI's um, by your just incredible resilience and uh, sense of get up and go and, you know, your incredible um, just never say die attitude in terms of getting your stuff over the line. Uh, we're joined by Camilla Didina. Hello. Hi, Paul. Did I say your second name correct? You did. I got for that. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing today? 
Good, good. That's quite an introduction. Thanks so much. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's nice to say nice things to nice people. The funny thing is I, I definitely don't think of myself as a resilient person. So it's kind of interesting to hear you say that. <laughs> well, I think uh, I, I don't think anyone should ever perceive them that way, themselves in that way, because uh, number one, self-praise is no praise. But if you were aware you're doing a good job, you'd stop working, wouldn't you? Mm, I suppose <laughs> you're right. Yeah, there, there is something to it. Um, I might start and ask you kind of how filmmaking first made an impression on you in your life kind of like your earliest memories or what inspired you to become a filmmaker in the first place actor whatever uh, <laughs> the whole shebang yeah how, um, how, what influences what were your early influences growing up in Poland yeah you know what um, I think ever since I remember I just loved films and uh, I think it was a form of escapism for me just like a an outlet to um, get away from not not the most ideal childhood. Let's put it this way. <laughs> um, my uh, my dad was drinking, and you know it was kind of tough when I was growing up. So um, I I do remember relentlessly turning to film as just a way of um, escaping into a different world than the one around me. Um, I think I got my first TV when I was about 15. Wow. <laughs> so it was actually quite, it was definitely not very healthy from today's perspective. But I would, you know, I would come from school at like three o'clock and get my dinner or lunch or whatever and, and start watching whatever I was going for hours and hours and hours into the evening. And <laughs> I did that <laughs> a lot. Right. And I was the weirdo in class, you know, among my classmates who always knew um, actors' names and whatever films were going on TV, you know, I mean, the options were limited. It was before internet, so right. I do remember watching a lot of uh, Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris uh, <laughs> and such other things, so it's, it's kind of a miracle. And Nash Br Bridges. <laughs> yeah, I think there was some uh, Nash Bridges, and you know, it was in Poland, so whatever we had access to would have been... Heavily dubbed as well. Uh, oh, God, yeah, there was a lector. Uh, a lecture reading over the original oh, dialogue. <laughs> so it wasn't even done with any sort of creativity or imagination. <laughs> no, it was, it's, he reads with a flat, it's still done, he reads with a flat tone. Right. And if there's like a sex scene or an argument, it's equally flat, it's hilarious <laughs> and terrible. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so, you know, there was, uh, there was a lot of, um, and then, you know, when the internet came along or, or, or when I had access to it at university, mm -hmm. and that's when I had a, you know, access to a whole new world of films and that's I suppose when my taste if you will started shaping so I remember watching um, a lot of the X-Files uh, okay. for a while it was like my religion <laughs> yeah I, God, I don't know anyone kind of in the tourities who's not you know has that its impression hasn't been left on them I mean it was on repeatedly in the 90s yeah know? yeah exactly but the thing is at the time um, and even after I came to Ireland in 2006 or seven. I, I wasn't thinking of becoming a filmmaker. I just loved films. And, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I do remember um, watching, you know, when DVDs started coming out mm -hmm. and they would always have like an addition at the end of the making of. Yeah, yeah. I, I would watch that stuff and I remember feeling almost physical pain with like this longing for that type of life. You know, people on I set. I want to be part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, literally, it was almost physical pain. I remember I had to stop watching it eventually because it was just causing me too much like sorrow. 
Um, but, but you really thought that you not you could never do that, not in a million years. No, like you know the the world I came from, like small town Poland, um, it's just wouldn't. You might as well dream that you you you're going to go to the moon with NASA. <laughs> you know, it's just not a thing you do. Yeah. So it took it took many years for me to even think about it. And then, long story short, when I came to Ireland, I think. Within two years or so, I went... I won an Oscar as soon as I went to Ireland. It's amazing. <laughs> Shut up. <Sorry. laughs> the land no. of opportunity. I went to this ridiculously cheesy uh, motivational workshop uh, that I knew nothing about. It was one of those American gurus. Uh, I can't remember his name, but it was, you know, this absolutely obnoxious, like... Like a Tony Robbins or a Quinn. Uh, something uh, yeah. like yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he was booming from the stage in a ballroom in some hotel in Dublin. And now, imagine your future and... What do you want to do and whatever, something, something. And I was I was incredibly susceptible to this type of shit. And I remember weirdly closing my eyes and uh, I think I was standing to a director who l- later turns out who's the director of Fair City. <laughs> we, we kind of bonded over this. But um, I remember seeing myself on stage as an actor and it was ridiculous. It was so weird and so scary and so exciting at the same time. Um, so that was kind of the first nudge that I wanted to do, to have something to do with that type of world. Mm-hmm. And it took me years and years of like inching closer to there, you know, because I was just, I remember even when I was telling my then boyfriend that I had this experience that I wanted to be an actor, I almost couldn't utter the words. You couldn't vocalize it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was just, I was 28 at the time. And, you know, the thoughts I had in my head were, it's ridiculous. Like, how can you decide to be an actor at 28? You're you're old. Just forget it. It's it's stupid. <laughs> These were my thoughts. I'm clearly wrong. You know. <laughs> well, it was. Uh, you know what? It was. I was my own worst enemy, and it took me a long time to sort of undo that slowly through. I think any pragmatist know. needs evidence to suggest that that's achievable. You know. So you need to kind of little baby steps have to happen to kind of go. You know what? Yeah, you might actually. Yeah, you know. very, very slowly. So then, within I think f- four or five years of kind of doing acting workshops and some first acting roles, mm-hmm. I uh, I came up with the idea for my first short film, and I didn't even know how to write a script. <laughs> you uh, don't need to. Sure. I, I, uh, <laughs> uh, come here. Uh, what's the name? Filmbase. Uh, Filmbase at the yes, time was yeah, still yeah. on, and I remember bringing them. There was some, you know, funding thing. We should have a minute silence for Filmbase. Hang on. I know. Anyway, maybe some other organization will come along and replace it. At some I hope point. so. But uh, I, I, when I brought them that first script, um, obviously, no wonder they <laughs> ignored it because it was written completely not in a way you would write a script. I just, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I had no clue, I, but I did it anyway. And, and then I ended up uh, just kind of doing it without knowing what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way <laughs> to that's be, how I right? Start. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, even the best, what we've learned from doing, obviously, this podcast, but also the different events and stuff, you know, I mean, more often than not, it's just about getting a vomit draft of something out, you know, mm. you can tie up the loose ends and dot the I's and cross the T's, yeah. you need to get the story out, Yeah, you know, you yeah. need to regurgitate it from your brain, as it were. Yeah. Um, so how did you, you obviously did a bit of acting then, and did you... Um, did you do some production design and stuff as well? For, no, or, no production design. Or pro, no. production, uh, but you were in production in some other way. Uh, yes, I mean, I uh, that's kind of my 
job, if you will, day job. my day job right now. But the way I came to it um, was really accidental. <laughs> I ended up producing my first two shorts right. uh, and and kind of learning as I went. And then through word of mouth and, you know, people who knew me who or, or friends of friends, I, I think my first kind of production job was um, I was production manager on Cat Calls by ah. Kate Dolan. Yeah, you read Kate on. She's lovely. Yeah. She's flying now. She's done her first feature. I know. Yeah, it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, that was the first kind of paid job I did as, as a production manager. Uh, but then, you know, I was doing a bit of. Depending on the size of the production, I was I was a production assistant on big commercials, uh, production coordinator on Paddy Slattery's feature, uh, mm-hmm. Broken Law, mm-hmm. um, and the production management work kind of came along um, again through mostly through recommendations, through word of mouth, uh, yeah. which which was it's the way it works here. You know, people like yeah. to people like to work with nice people. <laughs> well, you know, God forbid. Like, I don't know if I'm nice, like, but I do my best. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, professionally, you turn up, you do the job well. Obviously, it's very important. But people like to, you know, they like the idea of being introduced to somebody else who is nice. You know, yeah, and that's often yeah. the way small um, industry like this works. You yeah, know? but you, there's a lot of learning on the job for me. Uh, that, mm-hmm. That's you know. What did you study in university? Uh, English, English, actually, okay. uh, all kinds well, of. Well, that came in handy, didn't it? It did, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I, I, I'm, I'm a qualified English teacher, and when I say that, I mean English as a second language. Yes, yeah, but yeah. it's definitely, it's not, and it never has been my dream job. So uh, I never did it. I'm, I mean, I did it, you know, for a very short while in Poland. As a private kind of teacher, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's yeah no no. Well, all, ro- all roads <laughs> lead to Rome, don't they? It, well, it, um, a lot of people. We, you'd be amazed the, the amount of people who end up in filmmaking through, in some cases, kind of precarious routes. You know, there are people who study all sorts of things and then end up in, in filmmaking. I oh, don't God, study yeah. at all. You know. Yeah. No. Totally. I, I definitely have no. Uh, formal education when it comes to anything to do with film, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's producing or directing or screenwriting. But uh, weirdly, you know, the the work I did in Ireland before I turned to filmmaking full time and and production uh, or acting uh, was corporate jobs. I was doing customer service. I was uh, a coach for customer service, <laughs> and then I was in sales. That That'll prepare you for all the bullshit involved in filmmaking. You know what? <laughs> I mean, aside from anything else, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not gonna get into it too much, but it definitely helps with like discipline and. Um, sort of a cop on and organizational, you know, um, having yeah. having your shit together, basically, when it comes to production, where, where you really need to be on top of things. Mm-hmm. So so I did find that helpful uh, and, and communicating with various people. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether you're trying to sell somebody, I don't know, subscription for LinkedIn or, or accidental <laughs> death insurance. <laughs> Jeez, is that I, what you did? I, I did that for about two months. <laughs> oh my god, my heart goes out. That was to the you. most disgusting scenarios. <laughs> Soul destroying. It was just absolutely like it was the worst experiences of my life. I was oh calling god. to sell accidental death insurance, asking to speak to people who were dead. Oh Jesus! Yeah, how bad is that? Oh, I'm sorry, he passed away two months ago. I'm, like, <gasps> oh, I'm so sorry. I'm calling you. Did that for about three months, and then I was like, I'm never doing this ever again. Respect that you did that for two months. <laughs> well, uh, I, oh, it was crazy. But yeah, um, but yeah you know, um, I mean, I think, you, you know, 
in relation to anything, if you want to be successful, if you want to make an omelette, you have to break a few eggs. Mm, so you have to get mm. out there and do all sorts of stuff. And it all ties back. Life experience is what makes the best actors, the best directors, the best people. Mm. You know, you know, people who live very comfortably within their comfort zones, you know, aren't always the most fulfilled. I hear you. You yeah. know, in my mm. experience. Um, so when did you get so, something must have sparked the urge to make there seems to be a, 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 a theme of injustice or persecution or um, um, you know are you striving for some sort of greater deeper truth in the world in throughout all of your work of which I've watched more or less didn't see your new short obviously because it's not finished such big words for a Friday afternoon yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, that's what I did. <laughs> um, but I mean, is it? I mean, when it comes to say, I mean, are you? Do you feel as if you're trying to make a statement in life with your work, or does it come to you just quite organically? Okay, I'm, I'm motivated by this now. I'm going to pursue this, and I'll write something about that, or. I mean, is there is there any sort of strategy, or do, just, do these ideas just come to you, and that's where you are in that moment? And right, let's go and do that now. Is that enough questions? Should yeah, I stop if talking? You, now? If you could see my face now, look. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't expect to get grilled. I mean, is there a conscious like? Are, are you, I'm not saying you're a social crusader or anything. God are you, no. Are you certainly? Um, you know, is are you are you trying to make some sort of a little bit of a difference? In, in your work in terms of where it, it, your work would be placed or any films of that nature in society? Do you know what? Um, I definitely... One thing I, I can think of straight away as an answer to this question is that I have changed as a person and as a filmmaker since mm. the time I did my first film. Um, I definitely had a lot of kind of this sense of, you know, addressing a particular kind of social injustice when I was making my previous films, mm -hmm. uh, Testimony and the Betrayal. Um, I, I would have been much closer to, I suppose, even an activist in a way while making them. Um, at the moment where I'm, where I am in my life, I suppose as a as a person, as a human being, um, I I look at it more as um, kind of. This probably sounds selfish in today's world where it's, you know there's so much pressure to be like socially responsible and, and, you know, and make a difference. But the way I feel about it now, it's more about me expressing my voice mm -hmm. uh, as in contributing to a global conversation on something with my unique perspective, uh, rather than, you know, looking to start a movement or something like that using my film, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely care. It's more about self-expression as opposed to... Not, yeah, not to selfish say, as it sounds. No, not at all. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you can tick both boxes, that's kind of what it's about, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it somehow happens that each of the themes of my films is, is, you know, like you said, related to some sort of injustice. Funny thing, I, I never thought of it this way, so when you said it, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I think you're right. But uh, but it it it's sort of... When I find a, a theme or a story, mm. I stick to it like a dog. I'm, a, I'm like a dog with a bone. And I find it hard to let go until I've made the film. Yeah. Do you know? Would you do a lot of research? Um, yes, definitely. Um, I think, I mean, I've never done a film 
on a subject that I knew absolutely nothing about, mm-hmm. and I have a huge amount of respect to directors that do that. Uh, but if I were to do it, I would definitely, you know, invest time and, and resources into researching what uh, what it is that I'm trying to say. You know, what, what's the ins and outs of it? I'd speak to people who had those types of ex- experiences that I'm trying to portray in the film, yeah. portray in the film. But uh, I mean, with my latest, it's easy enough because the research I've done was like the first 25 years of my life, like well, yeah. 15 years of my life. Whatever. Like, Here we go. We're jumping <laughs> into this one. Um, oh, it's okay. <laughs> um, no, I think it's 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 fascinating. Um, someone pretty close to me was a Jehovah's Witness growing up. Um, I find the whole process of it f- fascinating. Mm. You know, the indoctrination of it all, the cultish. Um, Environment, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Without labeling anybody, um, I think anything that's forced upon anybody else is bad. Mm. Any sort of agenda or, or a way of thinking, or you know, I suppose any sort of religious institution that um, imposes on your civil liberties is negative. Mm. Um, and I, you know, as just from my own experience interacting with somebody who has been through that. I just know that it's and it's almost like they have, you know, a, a, a religious experience while having the religious experience, <laughs> but then having a religious experience when they're when they've been freed from that experience. So it's That's like a, very well said. Yeah. So it's like, mm. how was it for you? Um, number one, making this film, but um, living that life for so long, and how did one inform the other? Yeah, you know what. Um, you know, there, there's a saying, I don't know if it exists in Pol- in English, but um, uh, what, what's that thing in Polish? Hang on. Uh, for a worm inside a horseradish, the whole world is horseradish or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're asking me what was it like to be a Jehovah's Witness, it was kind of all I knew. Yeah, there's that so, kind of, it's warm under a dragon's wing, you know, it's like. Yeah, you, 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 I wasn't, I don't remember being very conscious of how other people lived because in addition to you know being in this very kind of tight tightly knit and and, and insular community yeah. i also lived in a very small town so we didn't have you know the big city sort of temptations if you will yeah, yeah. um so it, i suppose it was only when i went to secondary school and then university big time uh, that's when this cognitive dissonance started. When you know, I in in hold on kind of stuff. What? Why oh, hold on. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what you were thinking. Yeah, no? you didn't have any red flags. Did you? What, what were the major red flags at that time? Uh, well, I mean, I think. Oh Jesus! Hang on, I, I forgot. <laughs> was it a boy uh, or somebody? No, I mean, yeah, there was, there was. Uh, Our close friend, obviously, maybe. I had four very close friends in secondary school who weren't Jehovah's Witnesses, and okay. they had a music band, and uh, I was sort of... They weren't called the Jehovah's Witnesses, were they? <laughs> <Were any chance? laughs> no, they were not. No. <laughs> they were called Con Brio. Ah. Um, but I was sort of their manager, uh, and I remember, I mean, you know, quote, unquote, yeah. I would go with them to concerts, and we had a great time. We had like, you know, this sort of formative years 
wonderful experience of having a, a, a close group of friends yeah, that you yeah. just love being with. And you live in each other's pockets. Like, e- yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I had that with them for the four years and it, it was the best, school-wise, was the best time of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I still think about it fondly. But... Um, while they were kind and, uh, you know, accepting of me being a Jehovah's Witness, also one of them once said to me, <laughs> she, she sort of challenged the simplicity of the thinking of Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, it's it's a vague memory that I have where, you know, she said something and I just I got offended first. But right. then in but then but then instantly I thought critical thinking shit, is OK. She, no, I remember thinking, shit, she's right. You know, but that was like a small thing. And then I suppose um, I'm trying to remember, I think I just got fed up with the um, emotional manipulation, Mm -hmm. you know, the pressure to be happy, Mm -hmm. the pressure to think a certain way, the obviously the patriarchal thing about women having, you know, no voice. That's the biggest issue I have with it. Yeah, I, I, you know, the oppressive nature of, of. Of how they interact with women. It's, it was. It was incredibly strong. And the shunning of, of women in particular, who, you know. Yeah, I mean, the shunning, the shunning in the end, I, you know, I suppose, like, that, that's what became the theme of, of my film. So, it, it, although, personally, I didn't, I, I didn't have the worst experience with it myself. Okay. Um, I, Were I, your folks Jehovah's Witnesses? My mom is um, my dad died many years ago and he oh, never sorry. was a witness uh, thanks but um it's a tricky one i can't really talk about my mom because of possible repercussions because <laughs> okay well she was and that's that was part she's of it, wonderful yeah. she's wonderful uh, but um you know I, I did lose a number of friends but it, i didn't have that experience where you know i'm 20 and i decide i don't want to be a witness and my parents throw me out of my house and i'm homeless and, and i have nobody to speak to because no one will speak to me because all my friends and all my social circle were Jehovah's Witnesses who now treat me like I don't exist. I was you, lucky that it didn't happen to me, do you know? Yeah, yeah. But I still, you know, I felt so strongly about it. I, I'm finding it hard to untangle, like, to answer your question as to why I left Jehovah's Witnesses. It's always like, uh, like, I know. It's just like it's being in a really good band. You had some great <laughs> albums, you know, and, and you just, you didn't, you didn't really break up. You just kind of, you know, you're doing your own thing I, now. You're doing your yeah, own solo stuff. I, it, it did happen when I came to Dublin. It, it, it helped, you know, it was a gradual, right. long, long process. You realize that people um, are more fun in, in en masse uh, when you come to Ireland. But it's like, I can't not talk to everybody. Everybody's like so that. nice in Ireland. When you talked about um, that kind of spiritual or religious experience when you leave, I did have that, uh, and Good. and uh, that that um, I was compared to that experience. Well, that scene in Castaway with Tom Hanks. Yeah. When he's I on, I can well believe it. When he's on the raft, uh, you know that he he ma- he makes he's, like a shoddy raft at the end. Yeah, and he's drifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah and <sighs> the sea is really rough, and well. Can I say a spoiler? Of course has, you anyone, can. I, has everybody seen? I, I don't think Robert, Robert Zemeckis will be listening to the podcast. You know, when, you know, when he's after losing Wilson and he's yeah. just so <laughs> broken on on that raft, it was kind of like that. Right. When when I decided I didn't want to be a witness anymore, it was very much feeling completely lost, like, like drifting in space or on you know you have no anchor, you have no mm-hmm. grounding, you have no floor under your feet, and you have no idea what's going to happen to you. Uh, so it was. Absolutely terrifying, but um, you know, ultimately survive- survivable. And thank fudge, 
You'd say fuck all you want. We love that. We love the f bomb on this podcast. It'll come. Don't worry. Um, wonderful. I mean, like, look, I, you try not to judge people based on their, you know, on anything sexual orientation, religion, or, or, or otherwise. But I have heard and experienced some things with Jehovah's Witnesses, which make me feel, or have done, made me feel incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, I hear you. Um, that was one of my main challenges when I was crowdfunding for the film, uh, where... Did you meet any resistance from, uh, from um, the organization in any way? No, or no. The religion the, or I don't know. What, what's it classified as? Religion. Religion, religion, yeah. Uh, no, not from them. They wouldn't come after me because A, what I'm saying is true, and B, they're not like... They wouldn't be publicly vindictive. The Jehovah's Witnesses, there's nothing they're more afraid of than public shame or public sort of disclosure of their private affairs. Practices. You know, PR so basically yeah, is yeah. everything. They don't like bad PR. Exactly. Uh, but uh, no, it was more like, even though, you know, I had my reasons for making the film and highlighting serious, I wanted to highlight serious issues in, in that organization that aren't really known. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, I didn't come to this story from a place of like vindictive. You weren't getting, you weren't seeking revenge. No, no, no because there's, you know, there are a lot of people in that organization who are just good people. They mean well, and course, and yeah. uh, they don't like kicking them or or you know um, throwing paint at them is just not the way to go. Mm. You know, and the magazine um, art, some of the animation is great. <laughs> oh, so that makes me think of South Korea, North Korean uh, propaganda uh, or, or USSR propaganda. Really well done, though. There must be some great <laughs> artists in the organization. But uh, yeah, I, it was it was a challenge, you know, to to make sure that the message I was putting out there mm -hmm. was always uh, somehow balanced. You know, yes, that I, course, I, yeah. I I had compassion as as ma as well as other reasons within the scope of reasons why you, you set out to make a film. Yeah, well, in general terms, you know, um, I'd consider myself agnostic, um, but I can absolutely see the validity in religion and what and what it creates in people's lives. You know, mm. it's very, for me, it's very much a case of whatever gets you through the night, but if it affects you or people around you um, in a negative capacity or restricts your, your free will or, your, like I said, your civil liberties, then it's a negative. I mean, if you've traveled anywhere outside of Europe, you'll see the, the, the absolute necessity for religion to get people through their through lives. Stuff, yeah, yeah. You know, in mm. South America and Asia, places like that, they need Catholicism mm. to survive, to feel as if it's all for something because life is so fucking hard. Yeah, and, you know? and I can imagine, you know, there, I, I remember from my own experience and also can still imagine there's a certain kind of beauty uh to that religious experience for people who resonate with it, who need it, who, yeah. you know, who, who rely on it. The funny thing is, I remember, um, like, because of, you know, being, growing up in a cult, I have this constant feeling that I'm 10 years late with, uh, with everything in life, mm -hmm. which is annoying. Have you watched The Wire? It's great. The, wi the Wire, the TV show? Or Breaking Bad. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. no, uh, The Wire is my favourite TV show of all time. I'm only kidding. <laughs> you said you're 10 years too late to no, think, so. No, but, the, you know, the, the flip side of that is <laughs> <laughs> that for those years when other people are, like, partying hard and, you know, um, having a lot of relationships and sort of forming who they are when yeah. you're, like, I don't know, 16, 18, 20, I was, like... Like uh, 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 um, something in amber 
like a mosquito in amber, preserved, protected, well, your and liver, frozen. Your liver is probably in great, great neck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I never smoked. I barely ever got drunk. So, you know, it was, uh, it had its, I'm, I'm trying to see it as a positive Every thing. Every cloud has a silver lining, right? Weird, but positive. Anyway. So, so tell me a little bit about the film. It's called Debutante? It is called Debutante, although I do have to say uh, the title is going to have to change. Subject uh, to change. It is, yes. Um, that's because between the time I launched the whole, you know, crowdfunding campaign and everything with it, with this title. Mm-hmm. And the time we shot the film, I've rewritten the script a couple of times. So uh, it's lost certain, its meaning. The title. Yeah, yeah, the the Deb's Night that was heavily featured is no longer <laughs> in there at all. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, so the film is basically. Uh, a shortened kind of an essence of a feature I actually wrote in 2015 right. um, that I um, I think f- f- the short I wrote in mm, two years ago give or take um, that's uh, two or three I can't even remember anyway long time ago and I've been um, you know I've been applying for funding initially as you as you would right. uh, uh, and uh, took my time with it uh, and when when I got my yet again, yet another rejection from a funding body. High five. <laughs> you and everybody else. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I, I remember uh, it was last summer, I think, I applied for the Virgin Media uh, yes, yeah, last uh, year, yeah. thing. And I was very excited about it because I had a great producer on board. And uh, I was feeling really good, you know. I actually worked with Mary Kate Flanagan as well mm-hmm. on the script at the time, and and I, you know, I was like, yeah, you're feeling confident. Totally Everybody's great. in line. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna do this. And then when when you know when it didn't come through at all, I I remember having like a day of absolute Here, misery. Here's the <laughs> here's the F word. Yeah, oh, that too. Many days, but uh, here's the F word. It was a day of fuck. I'm going to either do it myself somehow or I'm yeah. just going to have to leave it and and have this kind of bitter ball in my throat for the rest mm-hmm. of my life, you know, about mm-hmm. something I wanted to do but it just didn't happen. So, um, yeah, I I just went and did it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you probably won't want to pick yourself up so I'll do it for you. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a great example, guys. Um you know, especially for like the FNI community, because we do we run a lot of initiatives and little bits and pieces. And um, funding is not the only way to make your film. Like state funding, um, you know, razzmatazz initiatives, you know, um, are not the only way. You know, you have to understand that even with say the, the Virgin Media uh, discovers discovery uh, initiative is brilliant, and it is about genuinely about highlighting new talent and so on. Um, and the deadline is at the end of this month, this may go out before or whatever. And, you know, it's incredible. We are very lucky we don't live in America. So in America, you don't get funding. You have to fundraise to make anything you make. Oh, wow, I didn't know There's that. very little, there's no state funding for filmmaking. Wow. Now, yeah, there are, you know, there are bursaries mm. from different organizations or festivals perhaps, mm-hmm. but there's no state funding per se. Um, so, um, I, I mean, Camilla is a brilliant example of taking bad news and turning it on its head and running a massive crowdfunding campaign in order to make her film and prove everybody wrong. 
I mean, how much did you fundraise? Don't forget the shameless crowdfunding. That's <laughs> what I love, shameless crowdfunding. It's, my, it's the only way to crowdfund. How, um, how much did you fundraise? I think this? I think as of now, I'm about 100 quid short of 20,000 euro. Yeah, there you go. I mean, there are ways in. You know, all roads lead to Rome. And congratulations, it's wonderful to see. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. I think, you know... All you need is a, 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 a wonderful, obviously some talent around you is good, but into like a group of enthusiastic people who are all pulling in the right direction and you'll get where you want to go. Mm. I mean, if it's good enough, it'll be made, you know. Thanks. Yeah, I so mean, well uh, thank you. I do. Uh, I, I laugh, half laugh, but I'm serious as well, you know, about this kind of shameless aspect, because uh, this was my third crowdfunding campaign. So. Mm. I what did you make to. on the other two? <laughs> <laughs> or a little bit less. <laughs> uh, it was four and a half grand for testimony, my first film, uh, yeah. which was mostly for post-production because at the time I still had some money from my uh, corporate career. <laughs> so I could use my own money, you know. Yeah. And then... Um, the betrayal, I think, it was six and a half grand, also mostly for post production. Just to wipe its own eye and look after posts and stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, just cover, uh, covering expenses. Whereas debutant, it was different because I was crowdfunding for the cost of production. Yes, of uh, course, you yeah. know, not not just post. Um, the 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 thing is, I mean, I know you know th there are ways to make. Brilliant short films for no money or 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 much 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 less, mm -hmm. but I guess. You know, that experience of working on big commercials or, or um, funded short films or, or features taught me, kind of spoiled me. It, it taught me, you know, of, oh, right, so when you have a crane, that's what you can do. Okay, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And these lenses work. Ah, yeah. You know what I mean? It was, it was like very eye-opening over the, the past years. And I, I knew, I, and I also, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> anyone who works on my film... Uh, will you know? Um, first of all, bless you all, everybody. You, you guys, you were amazing. But um, you know, the rates I was I was able to pay people were really minimal. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, um, I just couldn't bring myself to ask people to work for free. Of course, Do you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, I mean, I was lucky because um, my partner Barry Doyle. Uh, who is also a cinematographer, shot the film for me. Yeah. So, you know, one of the key kind of HOD roles, you know. Well, you uh, saved yourself <laughs> 500 quid a day there. <laughs> yeah, we, that, that saved us a lot of money. But uh, so, you know, in a way, it's like it's a family project here. But um, but yeah, uh, and the same thing, you know, with certain equipment, I was able to rely a lot on, you know, on mates of mates. It's a, I guess it's, which it's, is great. it's a convergence of like, it's like... <sighs> In your budget, it would be your trade, you know, like, you know, it's trade essentially. So people are, whoever you're hiring, they may be working for free, but, you know, that does make up the budget in your mind's eye. That's what it should be. People are doing favors, but you're like, okay, I fundraise this amount of money. But if you're to also factor in what their daily rates were and all these other people's oh God, wonderful talent on it, you know, it would be like 50, 60, 70, 100 grand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's all about building those relationships in order to improve the overall mm. quality, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I have, honestly, I have so much gratitude when I think of the people who work with me uh, that it's actually almost choking me <laughs> when I think about it. Yeah, isn't it? it's overwhelming so, when good people really support you, isn't it? Exactly, right? exactly. I mean, in fairness, you know, with my previous films, I, I also was surrounded by wonderful people. Uh, I suppose every time I experience making a film, mm -hmm. it's just... 
it's one of the greatest joys of it, I think, to to find your team that you you work with and and to travel you know. in circus kind of thing. <laughs> it's something like that, <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Uh, can you tell? Have you any tips for people who, just from a crowd funding point of view, um, who maybe now there's that perception that crowd. And I was only chatting to somebody yesterday about crowdfunding, and they're like, nah, I don't want to do crowdfunding. It's dead. You know, we've already we've trained that well loads of times. Have you any tips? Now you've obviously you. you um, this is your third, your third <laughs> run around the block, as it were. Um, have you any tips for people who might be considering doing that for a project? Um, have rich friends. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny you should say that. I did. I do recall thinking uh, that I, you know I, I couldn't possibly crowdfund again for the third time for debutant because I've I've crowd. I had crowdfunded twice before. Mm-hmm. My well is empty, and how am I going to do it? And I actually remember—I don't know if it's a good tip for you guys out there who are considering crowdfunding. I remember being ashamed mm-hmm. of launching a crowdfunding campaign. Like literally, I—I I, I spent like seven weeks working on it because I knew it had to be big and kind of global mm-hmm. to raise the money I needed. So I, you know, I spent time working with people to translate it into seven languages. <laughs> Really? Okay. Yeah, it's mental and amazing. You know, I was really lucky to have the translators who wanted to do help. But um, I I never shared anything about it on like Facebook or my social media. Say, hey guys, I'm working on this amazing crowdfunding campaign because I was I was literally ashamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, how embarrassing is it? Jesus. I don't think it is at all. I, I think we need to change our perception of that, you know? I, I, know, I don't think that anymore. But the, Like the Patreon aspect of everything that everybody does now. Yeah. Some of the biggest, for example, podcasts in the world have Patreons. Yeah. It's the very same thing. No, no, if I you hear like you. like it, support it. Even we do it. And guys, if you're interested in supporting F&I Rap Chat, go to www.buymeacoffee.com. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was kind of like a hurdle that I had to go over. Uh, because then once I did, I, I think I was ashamed that I didn't get funding. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I took it really personally. Uh, every time I, I applied for funding and didn't get it, and there have been, you know, many attempts, I took it really personally, and I, I, it felt like a blow to my confidence. So, course, yeah. so eventually, you know, turning to crowdfunding was like, oh Jesus, okay. There you go again. Mm-hmm. But amazingly, once I did sort of open up and and put the campaign out there, the response has been just incredible, and it felt like a big, fucking warm, loving hug from the world. Uh, you know, when it worked out, <laughs> with yeah. The check well, you know, it, it was yeah, it was long. Like Jesus, it's, it's, been, so. it's been a year since yeah. I launched it. You know, so it wasn't like twenty grand in a month. But course, uh, yeah, yeah. but what I would say is find your uh, find your crowd. It, they they don't always you know they won't always be your friends because you know yourself when you open your Facebook, it's like everybody almost has a crowdfunding campaign for something. Mm-hmm. So y- you can't just limit yourself to relying on your friends and family. Um, I mean, it's 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 a great starting point, mm-hmm. but ultimately, whatever subject your film is about, find your audience. Yeah, uh, I, I connected with Atheist Ireland and Michael Newton. There you go, clever, like brilliant just, just clever thing. I mean, if you're you know you're making a film about baseball, find yeah. find a Facebook group that's about exactly. Irish baseball. Exactly, you know, yeah. and find people to help you. It really, really helps, especially if you have you know like a bigger goal financially to. Find your audience uh, in Ireland or, or abroad, uh, as, as I was lucky to as well. I mean, you know, in my case, it was kind of, 
you know, there's a huge global community of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses who feel underrepresented on screen and their experiences, you know, other than apostasy, which is an amazing UK mm -hmm. feature, uh, there aren't many uh, narrative dramas uh, portraying Jehovah's Witnesses. There's a shitload of horrific, scandalous, scandal-seeking cheap documentaries, which course, I yeah. loathe personally. But uh, But in terms of quality drama, there's really very little. So they wonderfully embraced the you know the campaign and then the subject but um you know anything like you said baseball or or whatever else it is uh, there are always audiences out there that you just need to find mm -hmm. um, think outside yeah. the box a bit yeah exactly well, you have to because like you said the personal well is a bit dry exactly uh, <laughs> I just think it's a great story and like not just in uh, you know just within our own little film community here but it's just a great example of taking a rejection and turning it into another form of I suppose success and any film like it, it's cliche but any film that gets made is a success because mm. you did something that didn't exist before so the idea of getting well you're, you're probably have you got picture lock yet? No we're only we're only uh, going to have an assembly edit I think after this weekend so, okay, so no we don't celebrate <laughs> early, just yet <laughs> early days <laughs> um, so yeah what what are you um no, I suppose this is, um, and you've already kind of answered it, I guess, in a way. But how do you deal with rejection? We ask <laughs> everybody that comes on. God. I don't. I don't know. I, I, uh, I'd be, I'm definitely not thick-skinned where you, you know, you go, oh, well, whatever. You don't know what you're missing. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'm terrible at dealing with rejection. I yeah. take it really personally. Uh, and that's I, all we have time for, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm, kidding, go on. I'm really, I'm really devastated every time I experience it, um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm my worst enemy. Uh, I'm my own worst enemy in because I, I, I add to a rejection. I, I add a story. You know, mm. I, I develop a narrative. You don't have a black book like of enemies, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, you, oh, my God. Uh, you know, I suppose with time, I, I, what, what does help is um, as, as hard as it can be, I find that putting myself out there actually um, and, uh, is like a cure for, for rejection because... Mm one way or another, or another, you find your crowd, you find people who maybe resonate with what you're trying to do. And that is like a fuel to keep you going, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but um, Jesus, I'm the last person you should be asking how to deal with rejection. I swear to God, if you saw me on a day when I get like a rejection letter, <laughs> it's like, just don't even come close to me. <laughs> don't I even look I, at me. <laughs> a really good answer. That was a great answer. But a really good answer that I got from somebody who I've just in conversation, not on the podcast about this. How do, I asked a pal of mine who shall remain nameless for the sake of uh, uh, remaining anonymous. <laughs> uh, I was like, how do you, and he's doing quite well. I was like, how do you deal with the, you know, the kick in the arse, you know? And he says, well, I experience it. You know, it might, it's, you know, you can't label how you deal with something which is constantly evolving with one process. Hmm. You know, it's. How do you deal about how do you deal about getting refused a mortgage when it's the only thing you thought about for twenty years? You know, <laughs> while you were saving, huh. or you know, you're not going to experience that rejection in the same way as 
missing, you know, being asked to leave a nightclub or because <laughs> no. you're, you're drunk or whatever it may <laughs> be, you know, it's like they're two different things. So you have to experience it, right? Mm. I mean, if you've been working on something your whole life and then you're, you know, and you get a, a, like a massive rejection, you're obviously you're going to take that harder. Mm. But I suppose they're, you know, within filmmaking or in the in the creative life, they mean so much more because we give so much more of ourselves to it, especially if it's a, a personal story or, or even biographical in some cases. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find in in other ways as well, uh, something that really helps is learning of kind of famous people's rejections, Yeah, you know, and how they coped with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember reading uh, Michael Caine's biography He's one of my favorite actors. Uh, it, I mean, I suppose it's not really a rejection, but it's kind of under the same, you know, theme. Um, he he was talking about how he was, how he first told his friends that he wanted to be an actor, okay. and they said something along the lines of, "Oh, what are you going to do? Sweep the stage, or <laughs> something like <laughs> that." Morris Mecklewhite. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, reading of of. And and obviously people who who are accomplished today and you know inspiring to me, mm-hmm. learning about how how they experience horrific shit times, mm-hmm. I, it's just it blows my mind. It, it makes me happy inside and and uh, gives me you know some fuel to keep going. Absolutely. Although <laughs> I do want to stress that it definitely in my case there's more wailing uh, in misery than than going <laughs> strongly forward. It's, it's like, you know, it's like two steps, three steps forward, two steps back. I don't think that ever changes, does it? You just get, you know, you, have a, you might have a big success or something works out the way you wanted it. And then you go back to the same kind of, I mean, you have to find a grace within that, you know? Don't yes, you? Yes, I, I hear you. Uh, in, 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 in the creative life, it's like not everything is going to go my way. Does the, yeah. you know, does that presum- presumption, say, say, say someone who seems to be from the outside looking in vastly su- successful, like Stephen Bedford in there doing the sound, you know, I'm sure Stephen has a struggle like everybody else. <laughs> no, but, you know, the perception of someone in an ivory tower who's mm. like, doing, you, know, who's, you know, has in, in large amounts of money, big houses, all that type of stuff. Surely they're dealing with on a different on a different level, not a better or a worse, mm. but a, the same or different problems. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, surely that's that you know that, that's a chink in our psychology's armor to think that mm. there's some sort of massive payoff when you get where you think you want to go. Yeah, it doesn't um, exist. No, definitely. I, I find with a creative career in particular, but I suppose any career, um, some people. Uh, to whom I belong, I well, I suppose. Uh, you, I don't have a sense of permanence of anything I do, mm-hmm. and it's it's like you're only as good as whatever you've done very recently. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, I had I had a long gap between making uh, my last two films, it's okay. like four years or something. So you very much felt as if you were starting literally again from scratch. Yeah, very yeah. much so. And it's it's um, like even you know with acting, uh, I had an amazing uh, opportunity to, uh, just a few months ago to be on the Abbey Theatre's main stage oh, as wow. dear you know dear Ireland continues. Yeah, yeah. And it it happened so sort of easily 
<laughs> I just got an email was <laughs> over the thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, but the funny thing is, you know, I remember, you know, it, it was, I call it an actor's wet dream. It was just incredible experience. I loved it so much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, after all those years of kind of slogging uh, through, you know, trying to get some, some acting work here, um, it just felt amazing. Mm -hmm. And I remember being there and thinking, yeah, no, I'm just like, I'm an actor now. You know, yeah. now now I can call myself an actor. <laughs> but then six weeks pass. <laughs> literally, yeah, it's been a few weeks, and I'm like, oh, am I an actor? <laughs> it's kind of it's ridiculous, but but that's how my mind works, and I think I, I have a feeling it's not just me. You know, I I, I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I was more well, kind a, to myself. Well, it's, but it's, it's imposter syndrome. Everybody has. Yes, that, we that's all have what it, is. and it does. I don't think it, regardless of what you've experienced, or you know, I mean, for me as an actor. I, you know, I uh, I have worked a lot and I've had periods where I haven't worked at all. And now I'm in a period where I'm working and not working and it's but mm. it's, it's snakes and ladders-esque and I do a lot of voiceover and so on. But what I do when I feel like that is I, like, I photocopied my first paid paycheck. So I, I got a check before. And it, that would never happen now. But when I got my first <laughs> paycheck, which was yeah, a sizable amount of money for the time uh, applied. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that's and I look at that and go, no, that no, there's the proof there. It like it's photocopied, and it's in like a little folder. And I go, I'm an actor, whether I like it or not. Someone gave me money more than they were supposed to give me for what I did, so I'm an actor. Fair play. I I, I keep it's the most cheesy thing. I keep a little like a like a piece of paper with the Abbey Theatre logo that has my name on it that was attached to like a goodie bag I was given on the day. Really? And you're like, it's, 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 we're sentimental creatures, aren't we? It's kind of embarrassing, but I hold on to it in case I forget. You know the way, like you just said, you, you, it's it's a memento that reminds you of things you've done. Because I, I, it, it's my brain has a terrible capacity for, for literally forgetting. Yeah. I forget what happened, you know. And mm. uh, now I have, for example, uh, a, like a huge fear because I, I will be out of the circuit, if you will. And why uh, is that? Tell us, all our lovely uh, listeners want to know. Because I'm fat and slow. Because I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I have less than six weeks to go before you know I'll be a mother. And uh, incredible. While I am incredibly excited and terrified, um, I I do you know feel conscious of whether it's production or acting or or, or filmmaking. Yeah. By necessity, I will have to take a break. And, you know, already I sort of have this fear of Jesus, you know, what if all the doors will close for me because I'm not out there? Do you know the way uh, people will forget I exist because I'm not working, because I'm not putting myself out there or whatever. And like, I know it's silly and it's not Well, really we, we can wait and stick this out in two or three months if you like. So <laughs> people know you're back then. <laughs> When I'm so sleep deprived, <laughs> I don't know my own name. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I, it's, it's, I suppose it's, it's just a stereotype that, mm. you know, that, uh, that I'm afraid of. Hopefully, I know Rising Films, Rising, Raising? Uh, McCannigan's company? No, no, no. Um, it's an organization uh, that uh, was launched recently enough. It's to support parents in the film industry. Oh, yeah. Uh, with uh, Yeah, yeah. With, uh, uh, yeah um, um, yes. My, my Niall, Niall is involved in film. Yes, Niall's Canon, yeah, yeah. uh, I called him. <laughs> the wonderful Niall Murphy. Yes. Um, uh, Ailish Bracken, yeah, I think, yeah. is, is part of it as well. So, you know, organizations like these, although I haven't, had contact with them personally yet, uh, but I'm, I'm delighted they exist. Yeah, you know, incredible. Like, as a support. Yeah, like like showing incredible ingenuity. 
Exactly. Like little niche organizations that absolutely help people. I mean, we did a special episode a few months ago. Well, no, a few months ago in normal real time pre-pandemic, mm. which is actually a year Before ago. Before the apocalypse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, on, you know, like a mindfulness episode and how it seems to me, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because, you know, when you start highlighting change, change usually stops. Hmm. Um, but, you know, um, some little... There's organizations in the UK called like the Actors Benevolent Fund, for example, which helps people who are on their arse, you know. So, you know, um, obviously little little initiatives like that uh, and, and new organizations are, are, are crucial and key in order to help um, us all grow. And obviously the, you know, the government are now actively discussing the idea of an artist's fund, mm. a regular payment for actors for musicians, for directors, for writers, every single week to just the f- children's allowance for their imaginations, yeah. as, as, as my mate called it the other day. Um, all of this, all of these um, ideas, uh, projects are, are really badly needed. So more of that, please, especially. I, and I have to say, not just because we're funded by them now at FNI, but Screen Skills have really upped their game. I mean, they're really listening to what people are asking for. You know, I agree. The, um, like the re- like hands-on experience, all sorts of interactivity, um, all the training, the training on all sorts of levels now in Fantastic. a way never had before. Which yeah. is, you know, more of this, please. You know, the mentoring scheme as well, uh, mm. which I think is now going for a second round. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think there, there's definitely a, a feeling like, you know, like they shifted a gear. Mm-hmm. into a higher gear and, and responded to to the need. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, it, obviously, with gender parity and stuff, but n- not only that, but in, in terms of responding to all sorts of demographics mm. to really help people, you know, mm-hmm. and really encourage people. I think it's, it, 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 like, it's really, really impressive. Not just with screen skills, but also some other organizations as well. Mm. That are work. Exactly. W- women in film and television are, are really flying now, and it's really fantastic to see. Um, knowing some of the key crew there, um, it's brilliant. It's there's some great stuff happening. What's coming up next for you, <laughs> apart from babies, nappies <laughs> and prams, dirty nappies? <laughs> um, at the moment, I'm focusing on trying to finish post production of Debutant. Uh, I was, I was very hopeful that I would have been able to finish it before I give birth, which is supposed to happen at the very, very end of this year. Um, Realistically, I probably won't. So there might be some post-production work going on in between the breastfeeding sessions. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do it, but that's the plan. Um, and um, I think, you know, obviously for the next little while, I, I'll be uh, taking uh, or, or refocusing, if you will, my life on, on other things than filmmaking or acting. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd be very keen. Um, I, I don't have myself a new script to work on uh, at the moment and it's 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 I have to say it's kind of relaxing because <laughs> when you have a script it's like there, it comes you don't with have a, anxiety <laughs> yeah well it comes with a, it's you know with certain internal pressure to make it happen to, course, to do yeah. something with it um but so I'm I'm sort of enjoying it uh, that that kind of mm, freedom and lightness in my mind is <laughs> that a conscious thing did you decide not to like whatever comes next will, will come next? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm open. I mean, I. I definitely want to um, focus more on directing and writing and acting than producing my own films. 
Yeah. Like I, I'm still, you know, keen to develop my own work in production uh, when I refer to it as my day job, if you will. But uh, as as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. I um, I'm, I'd be very open to um, finding collaborators that I can uh, work with as a director mm-hmm. uh, or a writer in the future. Uh, but n- n- at the moment, it's you know, it's it's a kind of a necessary lull, and still sort of the aftermath of the absolute madness that was shooting debutant in wow. in in between two lockdowns. You got it done though, right? We did, yeah, just about, just well, about. Well, that's what yeah. that's. Uh, I think that's a really, really good place to leave it. Um, continued success. Um, best of luck with everything over the next couple of weeks. It's going Thank to be you. The best experience ever. Um, not that I have given birth myself, <laughs> but I've been a, a birthing partner before, um, and it's wonderful. Um, Fair play. Continued success, and I hope everything goes incredibly well. No doubt it will. Um, Thank you so much, Paul. Mind yourself, and thanks, Mel. Thank you.